Let's pray. Father, thank you for the book of Philippians. And once again, we pray that as we study it now, that our love would abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that we would approve what is excellent. Please would Paul's gospel passion be our gospel passion. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Well, what are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? Often it's our, our hobbies. It could be food or films, music, sport, gardening... Uh, We'll all have the different things that interest us. But but what is it that grabs your attention, grabs your your thinking, your thought life? What do you get excited about when you're talking to others? What raises your temperature when things aren't going so well? Sometimes so sometimes it's our hobby, sometimes it's perhaps the bigger things in our lives, you know, our family or the house, or, or whatever it is. And how great it is, actually, when people are passionate about their jobs. That's, that's all can be a wonderful thing. Now, these can all be good things. God gives us all kinds of good things to uh, enjoy in this world. But let me ask a, a slightly point, more pointy question. What is your life-controlling passion? What is your life-controlling passion? What grips and grabs hold of your heart, shaping and controlling what you do? Now, if you're familiar with the Bible, if you're familiar with Paul, you won't be, it won't be any surprise to you at all to find out that Paul's life-controlling passion was the gospel. It was the good news of Jesus Christ who came, lived, died, rose again. That was what grabbed Paul. That was what so gripped his life. And it's not really hard to know why. This is the gospel that Paul preached, and you can find all these things, or we will find all these things through Philippians. Okay, the gospel brings deliverance. It brings safety and security on the day of Jesus' return, the day of judgments. The gospel is how we are brought into relationship with Jesus Christ. The gospel is how we are made righteous, that is right, perfect in God's eyes, innocent in his sight. The gospel is how we are, uh, the gospel brings resurrection life, new resurrection life for his people. The gospel brings entrance to heaven. The gospel means that our earthly bodies, so frail and faltering, so susceptible to illness and weakness, and our bodies are going to become like Jesus' glorious resurrection body. The gospel brings peace to anxious minds. And the gospel brings contentment. This is the gospel, and so we can see why it was that it so grabbed Paul, so gripped his heart and his life. There is absolutely no surprise at all for us to find that Paul's passion was the gospel. But we might be surprised by what we see his passion, what it led to. This passage, these words that Alex read earlier, I don't know if you spotted them, it's actually full of a number of surprises, kind of things that don't quite make sense when you first think about it. 
But we're going to get into those now. Paul, he's so passionate about the gospel. First thing here, Paul is so passionate about the gospel that the gospel is more important than his circumstances. That's the first thing we see. He's so passionate about the gospel that the gospel is more important than his circumstances. See, Paul's, uh, Paul's gospel that he, he loved and he preached gave him an incredible outlook on his life. And despite his circumstances. So remember, Paul is writing to the Philippian church from prison. He is in Rome in a prison cell. He was arrested because of his proclaiming of Jesus in Jerusalem. And after a number of trials and imprisonments there, he appealed to Caesar. And so he's brought to Rome. And here he is in Rome, in prison, awaiting trial, quite possibly facing the death penalty. He's in Rome. Here he is, in chains. Literally, we find the word in prison three times in our verses, and that is literally in chains. Now, we would expect that to hold Paul back. It could even be the end of his ministry, right? So Paul, he's the great travelling evangelist. He spent so much of his converted life travelling around the world, proclaiming, planting churches... And the great Apostle Paul, here he is in a prison cell. Surely we would think that's all going to stop then. All that great work. But actually far from it. So do you see verse 12? I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What has happened to him? All those things, the arrest, the imprisonment, the trials, has served to advance the gospel the gospel. What seems like it should stop or slow down the advance of the gospel has actually helped to speed it up. The gospel has kept advancing. It's it's been like a springboard. And it's happened in two ways. So firstly, Paul himself, his own witness. So verse 13... So, it, um, so what has happened to me has served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest, my imprisonment is for Christ. So it's thought that the imperial guards, the, these Roman guards, were kind of elite soldiers in Rome, about 9,000 uh, men. And Paul would have been chained, quite likely, to, to one if not two of those Roman guards. They would, again, it's thought that they did kind of four-hour shifts rotating rounds. But these chains haven't shut Paul up. Okay, whereas my first thought, right, if I was chained to them, my first thought would be, ah, I'm chained to these guys. Paul's first thought was, they're chained to me. Right? You've got a captive audience. They ain't going nowhere for four hours. And then when that four is up, I've got a new congregation ever the gospel opportunists, right? We've got 9,000 tough, grisly Roman soldiers. How else could these guys be reached? Paul's in prison. And so it's become known throughout them that Paul's imprisonment is for Christ. He keeps speaking about Jesus, so the word gets around this whole guard. You can kind of imagine the situation over kind of morning coffee. The two soldiers talking to each other. Have you been on guard duty with that Paul bloke? Like he's nothing like the other prisoners. Like no complaining about the food, no complaining about he's innocent. He just keeps talking about this Jesus guy, who he says the Jews stitched up and, and we crucified. 
but he's not dead, but he's alive. The word has got round. It's become clear to this whole Roman guard that Paul isn't just a prisoner of Rome, he's a prisoner of Christ. And Paul's gospel passion meant that even in chains as he was, he kept speaking. And so the gospel kept advancing. The gospel kept going. Paul kept preaching. But the thing is, it wasn't just him. So firstly, the gospel has kept advancing. Paul himself, preaching in, in prison. But it wasn't just him. So verse 14. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Do you get that? That does not make sense. That doesn't make sense. The logic of that does not make sense. All right? Touch hot oven, that's the action. Result, get burnt. Logical conclusion, don't touch hot oven. Right? Action, preach the gospel. Result, get imprisoned. Logical conclusion, don't preach gospel. That's the logical response. But that is not what's happened. Paul is imprisoned. But... The, most of the brothers, and that's talking, talking about the church in Rome, most, most of them have got more bold. They've got comf- confidence in the Lord and more bold to proclaim the words without fear. That's remarkable. How does that work? I think the answer is that Paul's passion is contagious. Passion is contagious. You might have experienced that yourself in in some area, perhaps um, a rousing teen talk at half-time or in a heartfelt sales pitch for something or a political speech, whatever it might be, but passion is contagious. And these Christians, they've seen Paul's passion. They've seen that actually even being imprisoned doesn't stop him preaching Christ. His passion is the advancement of the gospel and it's contagious. And they want to step up. They want to join in. Actually, I think that's one of the reasons, just part, word passing, actually why Christian biographies can be so helpful. As we see how God has worked in an individual and worked in and through them, and actually seeing their gospel passion is often so inspiring for ourselves. That seems to be what happened here with Paul. His gospel passion is contagious. And so the church in Rome are joining in in that work. And Paul is writing to this church in Philippi saying, look, I want you to know, that's how he started in verse 12, I want you to know, he wants them to know what's going on, that they too would be encouraged. And he too, likewise, he wants us to be encouraged. For Paul, the gospel is more important, and the church in Rome, the gospel is more important than their own circumstances. And that meant that they were committed to sharing it with others. Paul's imprisonment led to these gospel opportunities with these guards that are chained to him. It led to boldness with the believers in Rome. And therefore he can say that what has happened to him really has served to advance the gospel. Advance. uh, Kind of like going into new territory. Blazing a trail. That's what the gospel is doing. And it's because of Paul's gospel passion, which they, which they caught on to. Let me give two implications for us. So firstly, when the gospel is more important 
to us in our circumstances will see obstacles as opportunities. Let me say that again. When the gospel is more important to us than our circumstances, we'll see obstacles as opportunities. Like Paul did with that guard. Right? I'm in prison. I've got a new audience. Maybe you've got a, a, a really, um, or colleague who's at work who seems really warm to the gospel. And then you're, you're having great opportunities with them. And then one day, perhaps you get laid off. And you think, God, what's going on? This person seems so, so warm. But then you get a job somewhere else. A new opportunity somewhere else to witness. I was really uh, inspired by the example of a, a lady um, connected to our previous church. She, she was really active, really busy in church life, and she got cancer. But that didn't stop her. There she was in prison, just, and this is in COVID times as well, so kind of limited if no, no visitors. She's there in hospital around Christmas. But actually, one church service started off. She invited the person in her bed next to her to come and watch it with her and, and a nurse. So that first kind of church service, she was joined by a person next to her and a nurse. And if the carol service, she had like a whole horde of people around watching with her. An obstacle, a, a great personal hardship and taking her out of what we might think, taking her out of church life, but no, no, no. The obstacle became an opportunity for her. For us as a church, unfortunately, it looks like we're not going to be able to use the hall for this hall for holiday club. Now, we're looking into other ways we could make that work. It's an obstacle, but perhaps it, perhaps it presents us with opportunities New ways that we could reach out to children and families in the area. I don't know. But for Paul, obstacles became an opportunity because the gospel was more important than his own circumstances. Secondly, when the gospel is more important than our circumstances, we'll speak the words without fear. When the gospel is more important than our circumstances, we'll speak the word without fear. But by and large, for us uh, in England today, it is far less risky for us to speak the gospel. The, the worst that I've heard of, I'm not saying this is nothing, but the worst I've heard of in England is somebody losing their job. But there are still costs, aren't there? There are costs to speaking God's words. But will your passion for the gospel be stronger than your fear of losing a friendship? Will your passion for the gospel be stronger than caring about what other people think about you? Well, may God please with the gospel, a gospel advancement be what is most important to us as a church family. Secondly, so firstly, the gospel is, is more important than his circumstances. Secondly, the gospel is more important than others' motives. Okay, there's nothing in verse 14 to suggest anything is untoward. There's nothing in verse 14 to suggest kind of anything's wrong. But some of these people who are pre preaching the gospel, who, who've been more emboldened to speak the word without fear, actually we find there were two camps. So verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from good will. That's odd, isn't it? Let's keep going. So some are, some are preaching, like inspired as they were by Paul's passion, but, verse 16, oh, sorry, that's, that's them in verse 16, the latter do it out of love, 
knowing that I am put here for the defence of the gospel. But not all the motives are pure, verse 17. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry or, or selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonments. That seems beyond crazy, doesn't it? Some people have been driven to proclaim the gospel more and more and more boldly, but their motive is they want to get Paul into more trouble. It's hard to know exactly what they were thinking, but we are told that that's motivated out of envy, rivalry, and selfish ambition. So perhaps they thought... Well, if the authorities are hearing more of this gospel going about and they're getting more and more annoyed by hearing of this Jesus being preached everywhere, well, then they're going to kind of clamp down on the source of it all, Paul. Maybe they saw this as their chance to kind of rise to prominence in the church. Yeah, Paul's out of the way. Here I am. I can be the next big thing, whatever. We're not sure why exactly. But to use the good news of Jesus to try and harm somebody else. It's unthinkable. And what makes it worse is that these were Christians. Do you see that? So verse 14, and most of the brothers, brothers and sisters, that's the church. So most of the, the church have become confident in the Lord. Some indeed, that's talking about that same group, some indeed are preaching out of envy and rivalry. Christian brothers and sisters are preaching good news in order to try and harm Paul and raise up their own status. That makes me a little angry. But, imagine what that makes me angry. What does that make Paul? That makes Paul joyful. What? Verse 18. What then? Some translations go, kind of, what does it matter? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Do you get that? Paul doesn't care what their motives are. If Christ is being proclaimed, he rejoices. For Paul, the gospel is more important than others' motives. It's more important than his own well-being. As long as the true message of the gospel is being spread, then hey, what do I care? How is it that the gospel makes Paul so big-hearted like this? Because later in the book, in chap- particularly in chapter 3, we're going to see Paul speak of opponents of, of his and the church in seriously strong terms. But they are different Perhaps this, this kind of might be helpful. Kind of think again of this kind of line of spectrum uh, as being um, kind of the whole like theological thought, kind of religious teaching, uh, whatever it might be. Well, across all this, actually, Paul is very narrow. He has the gospel, and anything outside of that, he will speak really clearly and really forcefully on. But when you zoom in, as it were, when you zoom in, within the gospel, Paul is incredibly big-hearted. Even people preaching from the most horrendous of motives, 
their brothers, they're preaching the gospel, then he says, not only he says, I don't care, but I rejoice. See, Paul's gospel passion meant that he didn't care what people's motives were as long as they were preaching the true gospel. See, the gospel has so gripped Paul, so gripped Paul that it is more important than his own circumstances. It's more important than others' motives. All that mattered to him was that the gospel kept advancing. Do you see how this passage kind of begins and ends with that? So, verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, all these awful things, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. How does verse 18 finish? Well, what then? Only in every way, whether pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed. That is Paul's overarching concern. That's all that matters to him. Was Paul passionate about art? travel or architecture maybe maybe not but his life controlling passion was the gospel everything else in his life was subordinate to this this gospel passion was the platform for absolutely everything and so again I want us to think briefly about well our passions nothing wrong with being passionate about stuff But are they all subordinate to gospel passion, gospel advancement passion? You know, to not mind to be spoken badly of, to not mind going through real hardships if only the gospel is advancing. That's a real challenge. And not only just to kind of not mind, but to rejoice, to rejoice in those things if the gospel is advancing. Is Paul's gospel passion our gospel passion? If it's not, you know, if you're thinking actually, what then? Well, can I encourage you, maybe even this afternoon, just to read through Philippians and do it prayerfully, praying that Paul's passion would be contagious as you read it. As you see him talk and explain what the gospel is, what it means for God's people. We see how wonderful it is. Why don't you do that even this afternoon? That Paul's passion would be our passion. Let me pray that that would be the case. Father, please, would that indeed be true for us? The wonderful gospel, the wonderful good news, Christ and all he did. Father, please, would that message, would he be so precious to us that our passion for him would outstrip any other passions, that we too would be ultimately concerned with gospel advancement. Father, please, would you help us to make the most of opportunities even when they come from obstacles. Please, Father, would you help us to speak the word without fear. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Let me find the right slides. As, there we go.
if you wanted, if you kind of learned a verse, hopefully you learned last week. Don't know some people. I learned uh, that, that prayer in Paul. Well, uh, this week, if you want to take learn one verse, um, go for the first half of chapter 18, that bit there. Um, and then next week's passage is also down there. Um, it would be great for you to read uh, read it a couple of times, pray through it in the week leading up, so you're prepared, ready for next Sunday. Thanks, Alex.